Let's go ahead and open up our, to, in our Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, verse 15. And as you're turning there, I'd like to give a, a pre-introduction introduction. I'd like you to take note of the from pulpit and paper in your bulletin this morning. Last week during first service, if you were in first service last week, I used an illustration that I shouldn't have used. You can find more details in the from pulpit and paper. Philippians chapter 4, verse 15. This morning we're going to be talking about money. Money is a tricky topic to discuss as a pastor. You want to avoid overemphasizing money and also underemphasizing money. Some churches, some preachers can't go a sermon without mentioning the tithe. Those prosperity preachers, they'll teach that in order to be right with God, to find yourself in a state of wealth and financial blessing, that you need to give to their ministry. And that's bad. That is not what it is that Scripture teaches. And it's important that pastors and preachers don't overemphasize money to that degree. And yet, there's also the other concern of uh, underemphasizing money, of a pastor and preacher being hesitant, not wanting to fall into a prosperity gospel, and that pastor or preacher never teaching on money at all. And the reality of Scripture is somewhere in the middle. The Bible does talk about money, but it's one topic among many. But this morning's topic is going to be on money. This is where we find ourselves in Philippians. And this is one of the reasons why expository preaching is beneficial, is that the pastor finds himself being given what he, what he should preach, not finding what he should preach. preach. And as, as money comes up in the book of Philippians, we need to be faithful to examining this topic. Go ahead and read with me together in Philippians verse 4, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 15. I will read through verse 20. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God, verse 19, will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to tackle this passage of Scripture in a way a bit differently than I tackle other passages of Scripture. Brace yourself. I'll have six points this morning. There will be one point per verse. There's six verses here. One point per verse. And each point is going to be a point of application. 
4 verse 15, write this. How should we relate to money? This is the topic that we're tackling. Give to the ministry. How does God want us to deal with our finances as taught in this passage? What is God's will for my life and money? The first point from verse 15 is give to the ministry. Paul writes this in verse 15, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. You'll notice the title of my sermon comes from verse 15, giving and receiving. The most fundamental point of developing a a philosophy of money, the most fundamental point that I need to make this morning in how a Christian relates to money is that Christians should, ought to, financially give to the work of the ministry. What we, hear see, what we see here in verse 15 is Paul is reminiscing of his past, of the past of the relationship that he had with the Philippians. Paul is reaching in the past in verse 15, and he's talking about whenever he began gospel ministry, this church in Philippi was the only church that financially partnered with him. We oftentimes reminisce. I do this with my family often at the dinner table. Oh, you remember this and remember that? That's what Paul is doing here. These are good memories that Paul has with the Philippians. The Philippians partnered with Paul. We studied this gift in a previous sermon that the Philippians gave to Paul. Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus is mentioned in verse 18. What Epaphroditus did is he took this financial gift that the Philippians wanted to give to Paul, and he brought it to Paul in jail. And Paul is reflecting on the Philippians' past, the the faithfulness that the Philippians had towards Paul in the past, at the beginning of Paul's gospel ministry. And what did the Philippians do? They gave him money. Verse 15 is very simple to understand. Paul is remembering the Philippians' faithfulness to him at the beginning of his gospel ministry. And this highlights the point, the most fundamental point of our philosophy of money is that our money, the money that God gives us, is His. God owns it. We have nothing independent of God. Everything that we have, our health, our money, our family, all of it belongs to God. In this life, what God does is He lends us His gifts. But they're all His. And when we come to Jesus, our relationship with God needs to reflect that. And fundamental to our approach to money is giving to the work of the ministry. Finding ministers of the gospel, finding ministries of the gospel, and giving finances to those ends. That is an absolute necessity in the Christian life. So, dear Christian, do you give 
to the work of the ministry? Do you contribute finances to the work of the ministry? In your online bank statement, do you have any drafts that go to the ministry? This is absolutely necessary. It's a necessity of the Christian life. A very basic point. Second point from verse 16 is this. Give faithfully. Give faithfully. Paul writes, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. I'm focusing on this last point once and again. The Philippians didn't do drive-by giving. Just kind of like a hit and run, like a one-time gift and, you know, we wish you well type of thing, Paul. The Philippians were faithful over and over again when Paul needed these financial resources. He found the Philippians giving to them, giving to him. The Philippians were faithful. And in our lives, we have different areas of life. Areas as a spouse, areas as a Christian church member, as an employee, as a friend, as a father or mother. And God calls us to be faithful in all of these different areas. And one of the areas of our lives is finances, our money. Just as God calls us to be faithful in those other areas... So also God calls us towards faithfulness in our stewardship of his resources. Faithfulness. Lifelong faithfulness in this area. Your life needs to be marked by faithfulness and finances over a long period of time. You need to be disciplined in your giving. You need to do it routinely and often. Regularly, not just when it's easy, but also in the difficult times. God calls us to this sacrifice. Give faithfully, support the work of the ministry in season and out of season. When you feel like it, and even when you want to hang on to those extra dollars, be faithful following the pattern of the Philippians. Now in verse 17, Paul pivots. Paul talks about, in verses 15 and 16, Paul talks about the Philippians' faithfulness, their gifts to him. Now in verse 17, Paul pivots to talk about himself. And for, ver for verse 17, I want you to write this. Receive for the good of others. Receive for the good of others. Paul makes a statement that we need to spend some time unpacking. Look at verse 11. Philippians 4.11. Paul says this, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. What Paul is saying there is that because of Jesus Christ, he has all that he needs. 
And then going down to verse 17, Paul wants to let the Philippians know that he really truly has no need, that in Christ he has all that he needs. And his reception of their gift is for their benefit. Paul receives this gift from the Philippians, not out of necessity, not out of his necessity, but for the well-being of the Philippians. So drawing out a principle here, this is the principle. When we receive gifts from others, we bless other people. If someone spends a, a long time thinking of a gift for you, and let's say it's an expensive gift, and a very thoughtful gift. And they extend this gift to you and say, look what I got you. It blesses that person who gives that gift to you for you to receive it gladly. You bless them. Excuse me, they bless you if you give them that gift and they receive it gladly. One of the most hurtful experiences in life is to give a gift, a thoughtful expensive, valuable gift to someone and to have that gift rejected. That can be very painful. In our receiving of gifts from other people, our motive and thought is for the well-being of others. That's what Paul is saying of himself here. And if you're a hard person to give a gift to, if you just never need anything... That can be hurtful for other people. Let me give you a story to kind of illustrate this. This is a story from a friend of mine. I do have friends. This is a story from a friend of mine. And my friend had a pastor who was diagnosed with cancer. And this specific pastor has been, had been very influential, had played an influential role in my friend's life. And whenever my friend heard about his pastor getting cancer, he became concerned and bought him a gift card to a local restaurant for him and his wife to enjoy. And he put this gift card in a, in a note, in a card, and wrote a letter expressing his thanks to his pastor and kind of some well wishes pertaining to his diagnosis. So my friend went and gave this card, gave this gift to his pastor, But the pastor said he couldn't accept the gift. Puzzled, my friend asked, well, why not? Why, why can't you accept this gift? And the pastor responded that as a matter of integrity, he didn't want to give the impression of favoritism through the giving and receiving of gifts. Now, I'm not exactly sure what the pastor meant by this. I think it was something like this. This pastor didn't want to give or receive any gifts from his congregation so that he does not show favoritism to anybody. I guess if he received a gift, he would feel obligated to give a gift in return and would therefore not give a gift to everyone. I guess that was his thinking. Well, my friend felt very embarrassed by this interaction and offended. 
my friend had put a lot of thought into this and had spent money to give his pastor this gift. And the gift was rejected. That can be very hurtful towards other people. In your reception of gifts, receive gifts, receive blessings from other people for the sake of others. Have others in mind as they give you gifts. Don't be so prideful to think that you do not need help. Allow yourself to be served. Allow other people to bless you. And allow them to share in the joy of giving and receiving. That's what Paul is saying in verse 17. If someone gives you a gift, take it. Accept it. Fourth point is this. I get this from verse 18. Give generously. Give generously. Paul writes, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. What I want us to take note of is how Paul describes this gift. This gift that he received from Epaphroditus, ultimately from the Philippians, was a full payment and more. Paul is not just supplied, he's well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts, notice plural. This was a blessing of generosity. The Philippians went over and above what it is that Paul needed physically. The Philippians blessed him. They were generous. Now I'd like to take a moment to speak to my fellow penny pinchers. My fellow penny pinchers. You can ask my wife. I try to pinch those pennies. And I, I just want to say that I so greatly respect you and your ability to save, to budget well. I so appreciate Dave Ramsey and all of the principles of saving that he teaches. Amen to those. Us millennials need a lot of help in this area. However, there needs to be limits to our penny pinching. There needs to be limits. Specifically, our penny, our penny pinching should not be expressed towards other people. Penny pinching is something that you should do with your own money. But when you give a gift, don't pinch pennies. That is the opposite of being generous. When you give a gift, give a nice gift. Give a great gift. Give a generous gift. That's how God has acted towards us. He didn't just wipe away one or two of our sins. By means of his son, he's wiped them all clean. 
past and present. And what that means for you is that as you give gifts, which you should do regularly and faithfully, give generously. I think sometimes we can penny pinch and emphasize frugality to a fault. And we use this approach towards finances, but at the end of the day, we're just not generous. We're just cheap. Let me give you an illustration. So I used to work as a waiter in college in my freshman year and in my senior year of summer. After that senior year, I worked as a waiter. Waiters live on tips. Being a waiter can be a tough job. You, you, you want to do the best you can, and if you don't, sometimes you get punished. You get no tip. And that can be difficult. Now, one time I was serving these four elderly saints, these four women who were very kind and conversive as I served them. I tried to do the best I could by filling their beverages and making sure I got their order right and making sure their food was hot as I brought it out to them. And as I can recall, I think I did a good job. And as they left, the first thing a waiter does, or at least the first thing I did, is, you know, you see how much they tipped you, right? That's the first thing you do. Now, as it turns out, they didn't leave a financial tip. What they left was a tract. Now, God bless these women. God bless these women. They had a concern for my soul. And they were evangelizing. Amen. But, now I was a Christian then. Now if I wasn't a Christian, it would have made me think that Christians are cheap. Dear friends, we don't want to be like that. We want to be generous. If you are going to leave a tract for your waiter or waitress, leave a massive tip. Bless them. Be generous. And bringing this back to our Lord, how has Jesus acted towards you? Has he penny-pinched his grace? Far from it. Be generous. Go over and above. Give a wonderful gift. Give a generous gift. Yes, I say yes to financial responsibility. I say yes to Dave Ramsey. I say yes to knowing where your money goes. Amen. But I also say, and Scripture says, yes to generosity. Yes, be generous. Point five. I never thought I'd say that. Point five. It's this you can't outgive God. You cannot outgive God. Verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Verse 19 is a promise. We've been examining some of these promises in the book of Philippians. And I want you to take notice once again of what Paul does not say. Paul does not say in verse 19, and my God might supply every need. 
Paul does not say, and my God may supply every need. If it said that, you might not want to be generous. But it doesn't say that. What does it say? And my God will supply every need. Will. This is a promise. A promise from our loving Heavenly Father. And what Paul is doing with this promise is he is acknowledging the difficulty of giving. He is acknowledging the difficulty of sacrificing financially. Paul knows for the Philippians and for us that money does not grow on trees. Every dollar that I give away, I like. I like those dollars. And I know you do too. But the Lord calls us to give those away. And there's a promise for us. And the promise is this. For those who spend themselves for God, God will not let you fall through the cracks. God is the best safety net there is. And notice here the emphasis on every need. God is faithful in the big and in the small, in the details. So as you give, remember this promise that God is faithful to you as you spend yourself for Him. Look at His riches. What type of riches does God have? And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory. The currency, God's currency, here, is not dollars. It's glory. Think inapproachable light, okay? Inapproachable light. When you see glory, think inapproachable light. God is infinitely wealthy in inapproachable light. What this emphasizes is God's incomprehensibility. That God has this purse, this infinite purse, and in this purse is glory. And what he does is he bestows this on us in Christ Jesus. What that means is that God has lavished his riches upon us in and through the person of his Son. Jesus has died for all your sins. He has fully paid for what it is that you need. And we deserve nothing. For our sakes, though he was rich, he became poor. And out of his poverty, we receive wealth. You can't outgive God. He's nicer than you are, he's more faithful than you are, his purse is bigger than yours. Anything you sacrifice for God financially, He will be faithful to you. And we can and affirm this in a non-prosperity gospel way. What the prosperity gospel does is it takes verse 19 and it distorts it. We need to polish this promise and understand this promise. Not reject it. Verse 19 is still in the Bible. And the way we understand it is that God will be faithful to you in your giving. God will outgive you every day of the week. 
Last point, verse 12, excuse me, verse 20. Verse 20, give God glory. Give him glory. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. The way I want to interpret this point is in light of, of, of us giving. You can't give God money. If you were to go outside and make an altar and you were to write to God and you were to put some money on that altar, this South Dakota wind would blow that money far away. God would never come down and grab it. You cannot give money to God. God won't take it. God doesn't need it. What you can do, though, is give money to God's purposes. That's what we do with money. We do not give it to God. God doesn't want your money. He has no need of it. But what the church needs is the church needs you to support them with money. And as you give to God's causes in the world, God's purposes, not to God, but to his purposes, what happens is that you give God something that he does receive and something that he does want. What God wants from you is your praise, is your honor, is your recognition of who he is. God wants you to give him glory. And the way you give him glory with your money is not by giving to him, but by giving to his purposes in the world. And God accepts that. Because of his infinite riches in Christ, God accepts your honor and praise. And that's what he wants. That's what he wants from you. He wants you to give him honor and praise by giving money to his purposes. Not him, not to him, but to his purposes. Well, I'd like to close with this last word, amen. This is a powerful word. Amen is the word that the church gives as an exclamation point to God's truth. When we say amen, we say this is true. When Paul writes here, when he says amen, he is saying this, that God being rich in mercy has looked upon us with pity and kindness. He has seen us in our sins, and he has seen that we are totally and completely helpless. Out of this richness that God has, this richness of love and compassion and mercy, he has sent forth his son for you. His son does not need you. His son was rich. But his son became poor for your sake. He came he became poor for you. And out of his poverty, by means of the Spirit, the Spirit has made us rich in Christ. The Spirit has transformed our lives. And one area that God has transformed and needs to transform is how we relate to money. Dear Christian, you need to give to the work of the ministry. You need to support God's global purposes in this world. God doesn't need your money, but the church does. You need to give faithfully. You need to be generous. 
Yes, pinch your pennies, but not, do not pinch the pennies of the gifts that you give. Be generous. When other people give you gifts, receive that for the benefit of others. And as you give, remember that God is a greater giver than you. And that his purse, his riches are infinite. And that as we do this, as we give to the work of the ministry, we give to God what it is that he seeks. Our praise, honor, and glory. And we as a church say to this, Amen. Father, we give you thanks and praise. You are generous. You are faithful. You are good. You open up your wallet for us, Father, and, and you give us redemption and forgiveness. And the way you ask us to respond to that is by giving faithfully, generously, to receive for the benefit of others, to trust you in the process, and to give you what it is that you want, honor and praise. Father, transform how we relate to money. Use this congregation to bless the work of the ministry here and peer in the United States and in the nations. Lead us away from selfishness with money and towards faithfulness and generosity. I pray these things in Jesus' name and by the power of the Spirit. Amen.